I want to get into his word today. Firstly, uh, I didn't talk to TJ, but I had that song going through my spirit all week. In fact, even God gave it to me. The devil's trying to say his own words, and God is saying yes and amen, right? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20, for all of God's promises, right, you may know it as they are yes and amen. The NLT says they have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. All of God's promises. The NIV says it doesn't matter how many promises have been made, they're all fulfilled. They're all yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes to him, right? He says yes, they're all fulfilled, and we agree, and it descends to God for his glory. Amen. The enemy has a voice, and he has an agenda. He has a plan, but God said every single thing I said would be done will be done. Every promise will be fulfilled. Things we're believing for, things we're praying for, breakthroughs, just keep believing. And in fact, that's what we're going to get into today because the answer is yes. I want you to say it out loud. God has already fulfilled his future promises in the past. Amen. Who believes that? Who believes the word? I think the word is amazing. And the more you get to know it, the more you're astounded by it. Isn't that true? Who comes to another truth in the word and is just like, wow, I cannot believe this has been here all along, right? Like an onion, you just peel back more and more revelation. Right on the surface, it's a children's book, right? That we can come to Christ and we have our, our sins covered by his blood. We're set free and we have eternity. Amen, right? I mean, that's a very simple gospel. And then the deeper you want to go into his word, the deeper you're willing to go, there's more truth and more revelation in there, isn't there? Right? It's all based on the simplicity of the gospel, that it's all about Jesus, but there is more and more and more there for us. And I love his word so much. I love the truth that it gives me, it sets me free, right? Truth sets me free. It's not just the truth that's defined by the world, but that is defined by the word of God. I want you to get a statement in your mind today, faith is true vision. Faith is true vision. What you see with your eyes, what your mind sees, right? Your mind's eye and your human eye is not real. Faith is true vision. I want you to hear that again. Faith is true vision. And the Bible says, and we took our text last week from Hebrews and I went from 10, chapter 10, just kind of breezing through the end of chapter 10 to the beginning of chapter 12, because it's all one concept before there was chapter and verse. He had one concept kind of sandwiched in there. And I just want to read a couple of the highlights. Hebrews 11, 1 says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And in uh, really basic English, uh, I said it this way. Faith is choosing to believe God because we're confident in who he is and in what he says he will do, even though we don't see what we're believing for yet, right? We believe in who he is 
and what he says he will do, even though we haven't seen it yet. Amen. That is faith. And so the Bible says in verse 3, by faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. The New King James says, the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. I want you to hear that. The things that are seen were not made of things that are visible. That means that God doesn't need anything to make something. Sometimes we say, God, you know, some people have come to Christ like this. God, maybe you can make something of my life. I've made a mess of it. He doesn't need to, like, rework your stuff. God can make new things out of nothing. Amen. And who has seen God do that? Who has seen God create avenues in your life and pathways that you could have never planned? You can't make your way. That's why I'm always cautious about trying to find what your dream is. You know, you've heard me mention that before. I would say focus on God, focus on Christ, focus on his plan and purpose for you, which is to know him and to be about the Father's business, and he will direct you, right? He will direct our paths, the Bible says, right? He'll make them straight. He'll make them smooth, depending on your translation, right? He shines a light on our path, and we just keep taking one step at a time, and you find that you end up somewhere out here that you never planned on being, and suddenly you have been given a purpose that you couldn't have tried to get yourself into if you wanted to. And most of you wouldn't have wanted to. Not that you don't want to serve God and love God, but you just thought, man, I can't do that or I don't want to do that, right? You end up somewhere that you would have never ended up in on your own. So God is really working in the unseen, all right? And that is really the whole basis to our faith. The Bible says... In Hebrews 11, verse 13, it was summing up the people. We call that the hall of faith. Everybody say the hall of faith, right? There's a whole list of things that they did and believed for, and it sums it up with this statement in verse 13, that they died still believing. And how could you do that? How could you die still believing, right? We don't see something happen the moment we pray and we lose our faith. And the Bible says that the hall of faith, that they died still believing, right? Or maybe we can endure for a year, five years, ten years. We kind of just put it on the shelf and we say, well, it's just maybe not God's will. And that is certainly possible that if you were praying, uh, you know, to do something or be something that was going to cause harm to you or your family or to God's plan or purpose, true. Yes, it might not be God's will, and those things can just stay over there and on the shelf, right, of things we prayed for, but it wasn't God. But just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean that God's not going to do it. Do you understand? In fact, it doesn't ever have to happen on this earth for God to still be faithful. Isn't that incredible? We don't want to hear that if you're going through something, but I want you to understand that that's true faith. That's not the faith that's been written. See, we have an idea, just like every other concept in Christianity, defined by our own minds. We all have an idea, 
And they're probably going to be similar in some ways and very different in other ways of what faith is. If I had you all write down a definition of faith, you would all write some similarities in some things out here and some things over there, right? Because they're formed by teachings, they're formed by understandings, they're formed by TV. You can't help it, right? You know what, what faith is. We can say we have the faith, which is our belief in Christ, right? We call that the faith, right? The faith. That's like it's a thing. And then we have faith, which is I'm going to believe for things, right? I mean, that's like, that's just our basic, basic thinking of what faith is when we would just say it in English. But faith defined by the word of God is actually believing even beyond ever seeing. Believing even if I don't ever see the victory, I still believe. Can you, can you do that? That's why Jesus said, when I return, am I going to find faith? That's hard to do because we are instantaneous. We are a microwave people, right? My TV in my living room, I don't know what is wrong with this silly remote, but I already threw it away and ordered a new one, and the new one does the same thing. I accused Dawn of her decorations on the mantle of causing interference, but basically I have to click the button twice to respond. It's so irritating to me because when I want to type in a long title on YouTube, trying to type, and now you don't realize that you clicked twice and it still didn't do it, and now it's missing letters and it just becomes, and it, what's so funny is it's only irritating because we're an instant, I'm used to quick. If it was the way that it was always was, then I would be okay with it. I would say, well, you got to hit the button twice. It's how it works. But since it shouldn't work that way, the delay makes me irate, and <laughs> it's so stupid, but I'm like, I just don't care anymore. Just throw the remote down, and you pick something, um, but it's because we are an instant people, and everything is faster and faster and faster, right, and, and like just, just moving, well, we've talked about it before, but just moving through traffic, it's, you know, the selfishness and the, in traffic, it's because everybody thinks that they need to get somewhere more than you do. Right, I don't need to be any fine. Everybody, you go because you're more important than me. Right, they've all got places to be. So, it's hard for us to rest. Everybody, say rest. See Hebrews. I I want to say so much that I'm not gonna be able to say so much. But I have this is it's so big that I'm gonna say what I can and ask the Lord to make it. I'm just trying to stay slow and uh, and. Uh, and in easy to understand, but it's so big what God has for us, and his word is so, is so amazing. They're so complex, and again, like I said, yet so simple. So I'll try to keep it simple. But there's a place that we get to in God of rest, and that is a place where we just believe him. Believing him is not waiting to see the answer or to see the result it's actually trusting God who's bigger than the answer and the results. And that is so much greater faith than just believing God for things. We say, God, I need this thing in my life, which, listen, the Bible says you have not because you ask, ask not. I live by that principle, right? My friends and family know me. I ask people things that, you know, they shouldn't have given me favor in the way they did, and I just ask. And they do things that, you know, 
most people just don't ask and they don't get, you know, they just don't get that <laughs> result. Can I park here? No, no one's supposed to be parking here. Sure, you can park here. I don't know, that's a silly example, but the point is you might as well ask. I'm not saying asking someone without the authority, not just the person next to you has no authority to tell you that, person who says, okay, I have the authority to tell you that you can park there. But anyway, you have not because you asked not. So, I mean, we need to ask the Lord. In fact, the Bible says that um, faith is knocking on the door at midnight, and, not, and you don't stop knocking until God, because he says, I'm, I'm greater than this, hum, than this human picture, right? He says, even, even someone who doesn't like you, even your friend will come downstairs and he'll open the door, or the judge who doesn't really care for you, you just keep asking and asking and asking, and he says, even worldly judges and human people will finally give you what, you, what you're asking for. So he's telling us that faith is to keep believing, keep praying, keep speaking, keep trying, okay? I'm going to just keep coming before the Lord, all right? So I'm not saying we're not going to do that, but true faith is that I believe you even if you don't answer me. Do you understand? I believe you so much that even if I never see the result, I will not let that shake my faith because my faith is in you, not in what I'm asking you for. Do you see how it's such a fine line? Most people would define faith by asking God for things, believing him to do something, or believing that through the power of Christ within us that I can do something. Most people would define faith that way, but faith is actually on a much higher level, a much greater level, and it's actually believing God. And then in that belief, yes, he does things for us, and we can do things in his name. But if we ever bring it down to only that level, and not just that I trust you, even if I don't ever see it, even your word says it, I believe it. That's the faith that God wants us to get to. Because my Bible says here, continuing on, it says that there was, we literally call this the hall of faith, the greats of the great of our word, and it says that they never received what they were believing for, but it's not that they didn't receive it, is that they never saw it on this side. It says they saw it. Everybody say they saw it. My Bible says that the greatest of faith in my word could see beyond into the unseen. They could see that God was answering things that they were believing for beyond the trial and the trouble of here and now. They were able to look ahead and see, I haven't seen it yet, but I can see because I know my God is faithful that it's done and it's finished. It says, they all saw it from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on the earth. So, you know, really only with this basis can then I go to God and say, Lord, I'm believing for this thing, for this miracle, for this victory, because my foundation is that I believe you, even if my human eyes don't see it, I believe that there is eternity. You realize that the whole basis to us believing in Christ is beyond this earth. To purely bring God down into this earth would be very, uh, it would be minimizing the whole picture of, of what eternity is. James calls this earth a vapor. 
What you see and have here now is just is literally passing away. It's a wisp of air, right? The generations, they come and they go, right? The generations, they rise up, they have children, they give everything to the children. Before you know it, they're the old ones. I mean, I'm seeing it. I'm, I'm now the middle age. I didn't know that that was possible. I thought you just were a kid and you have the parents. Now we're the middle-aged. Happy birthday, Dawn, soon. That big number, you know, the big middle number. And so the generations, they come and go. So the point is, is that if you were just focused on this earth and all of your trust and hope for, in God was only here, it would be very short-sighted, pun intended. Our vision must be beyond this earth, must be, be beyond you receiving answers and victories here on this earth. My victory, my hope, my joy, my life is in Christ. Christ is eternal. So my answers are in him, which means some of them I'm going to see in the earth, but whatever I don't see in the earth, I know I'm going to see it forever. Do you guys get this? He said, don't focus on the things of this earth because moth and rust destroy these things, but store up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal. What is Jesus teaching us in that principle? If all you focus on is the here and now, and that's it, you just have faith to believe for me to do something here in this earth, that's a portion of it, but that's not it. I want you to look beyond this earth. I want you to be willing to give your life as a soldier, to give your life even as a martyr. I don't like talking like that, but <laughs> nobody likes talking about it, but it is the reality of it, that I am willing to believe you beyond this earth into eternity. Amen. Because Hebrews 11, verse 27, these are the highlights from Hebrews 11. I'm going to go somewhere from, from here. It says, by faith, Moses, uh, verse 27, left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. He kept his eyes, instead of looking at the impossible uh, feet ahead of him, to have the most, king, the most powerful king in the entire world of the time was the king of Egypt, and he's just going to let us all go and we're just going to go out there and we're just going to start our own nation, right? Yeah, right. It sounds crazy in the natural. But the Bible says that Moses didn't look at the impossibility of it. He kept his eyes on God who was beyond it. He had his vision set on something, in fact, that he never actually even saw in the natural. Technically, Moses never even saw what he knew he could see ahead of him. He never saw it on this earth because ultimately it was in Christ. It wasn't just the land. It goes on and says in, in chapter 12, verse 1, it says, therefore, right? So we're summing up Hebrews 11, that therefore we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us, everybody say, let us. Right, so there was a group of people 
and they had they had this understanding that I'm going to trust God even though I've never seen him even though the the world is constantly trying to ask and look for proof I've decided to try to I'm going to push your supposed proof aside even the miracles I receive from him are not proof remember Jesus responded you wicked generation looking for signs. The fact that you get your miracle is not proof that God is real. That is a gift of his grace and favor. Do you understand that the fine line? If you base your faith on Christ on whether he gives or doesn't give you things, I think the devil could easily rock you. Because who has learned it takes a long time sometimes to believe for what God is bringing into your life. Some of those things you are never going to see on this earth. It, some of them it's because it wasn't good for you. God had no desire to give it to you. You were praying and believing for it, but it wasn't going to be good for you. It doesn't mean don't keep asking him. If, if it was evil, he'll, I believe that if you have a good relationship with him, he'll show you, hey, stop asking for that. Some things we're going to ask for into generations ahead of us, right? I've talked about that before. The pilgrims, they believe God for a nation. They never saw the nation. We're here today because of what they saw. Does that mean God wasn't faithful to them? They never saw it, but they could see it, couldn't they? They could see it, but they never saw it. Wow. Do you understand? Our focus is on God. It's focused on his promises. It's focused on an eternal promise. It's focused on that I'm in Christ for eternity, and this is just a blip of time. And Lord, every miracle, every victory, every triumph that I'm still praying for and believing here on earth is a gift, and it's a blessing, but it is not going to be the basis on whether I'm going to believe you or not. Because what will happen is, if we do that, then every time we feel like we've waited just a little too long, what happens? We've seen it before. People, they lose their faith. That's right. They get discouraged, and we literally have a phrase for it, lose your faith. So my faith cannot be anchored in the things that I'm praying, believing for. It's anchored beyond that. It is in eternity where every single tear is wiped dry, where every single uh Every single hurt is gone, where every single pain, every single misery, where every, even the ambitions, even the, the, your ambitions are skewed because you think you need to make a name for yourself and build some sort of false human kingdom, not us, but that's the earth teaches us that. And even those things are, are finished and complete in the way that Christ designed, which is his eternal kingdom, right? Prepared a place for us, amen. So he said, there's a huge crowd of people that they've lived this way. They lived in such a way, they set their eyes beyond the earth, beyond what they could see, beyond what they could understand, and they, choose, they chose to believe in God even though they didn't have proof. And we have many, many proofs along the way. I mean, just a child being born is proof to me, but it's not God. I didn't have God stand in the, in the hospital next to Dawn and say, hey, pointing his finger, hey, that's proof. So, I mean, it is proof, right? But it's not the proof that the world's looking for. And even if Jesus does miracles, then they just say, oh, you're making it up. Even in the Bible, they're like, well, was he really born? You know, can we really prove that guy used to be that way? Right, even in the Bible, they were arguing about it. 
Even if Jesus came and did the miracles, people would just look the other way. I told you, this is real. This is not, this is not f- fake news. Uh, there was a Christian scientist who was called down to Texas because they actually saw there was dinosaur footprints next to human footprints in the same layer of rock. And so this would be like, this is like, I mean, this is news, right? The problem is it shatters the evolution news. So what happened is they, they called this Christian scientist. you got to come down and see it. He took photos, documented it. I mean, it's, you can see it on his, his website. But, of course, he's just some crazy Christian, so who's going to believe him? The news came because they heard about it. And he said, the Christian said, the news wouldn't even look. Dare they look and then see the proof. And you know what happened? You know what God does? You know what the Bible says? The Bible just says, listen, if you don't want the truth, you don't have to have it. It's there for you. But you know what happened? A flash flood came in and washed it away. Proof is gone. See, if you're looking for proof, it really is there. I can see as soon as I wake up in the morning, the Bible says we're really without excuse, doesn't it? I, there, I don't need him to do the miracle because I just believe that he's God and he's good. My Bible says that he does He works everything. Everybody say everything. And all things, right, for the good of those who love him are called according to his purpose, which means if I believe God that he's working everything out for his glory and my good, then just because I haven't seen a victory that I'm believing for or an answer to a prayer that I'm praying, I can't start to lose my faith or to doubt him now. I've got all the proof I need that he is God and that he has the best for us. So that means I must focus beyond the things I'm asking him for and look at the one that I'm asking for the things. Does that make sense? And that's exactly what they did. And it says, let us do the same thing. Let us strip off these weights, the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance, the race God has set before us. I think it needs to be emphasized. They ran a race. We're running a race. So let us run like they ran. The people of faith looked ahead at invisible promises and at the invisible promise keeper. Let us run our race like them. And the Bible tells us exactly how to do that. Verse 2, we do this. We do what? We do this, which is what? Running our race, just like they ran their race. We do it by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Why? Not just because he went to the cross and paid for our sins and washed him with his blood. Through repentance, we have salvation in him. Yes, that's, of course, the truth. But here on this earth, into eternity, he is also the champion who initiates, or you may know it as the author, And he perfects, or the finisher. He is the author and the finisher. He's the initiator and the perfecter of our faith. Did you hear that? We set our eyes on Christ. Where is Christ seated right now? At the right hand of God. Which means, where are your eyes? Heaven bound. Your eyes are not on the earth. It's not on the faultiness, right? The the frailty of humanity. 
right? The, the earth is, is cracking apart, breaking apart. We, that's just where it's going to go, this whole thing, right? We have the proof, we have the signs right here in the earth that it has been, has been destroyed at least once before and is going to be really just kind of falling apart again. Our hope is beyond this earth. Jesus said, I'll create a new heaven and a new earth. So my eyes are not on this earth, but they're on him. I, my eyes are looking into heaven, looking beyond this earth, looking beyond the things I'm believing for in the earth. I'm looking at Christ beyond. And the Bible says uh, that he, everybody say he. The Bible says he lived this way. It says, I have to look at Jesus. He's the author and the finisher, and even he lived, looking, future, living now, living his present. He lived it, looking ahead. Because of the joy awaiting him, even Jesus, the Son of God, did not focus on the cross, but focused on us. He focused on the victory. He looked ahead. It says, because of the joy awaiting him, did Jesus have to endure the cross? Was there something he needed to do to prove himself to God? I'll be a worthy son to you? Of course not. What was the joy? The joy was that he would bring us into victory with him. That if, if this cross had to happen, so be it. Because the purchasing price of this cross is worth it. Because he looked ahead and he could see you and I here today sitting in this room. Jesus stood 2,000 years ago. As they stood there and they began to prepare the cross, the Bible says he endured the cross disregarding its shame. That means that he was aware of the cross. Believe me. I don't even want to, I don't even like to think about it. We're about to celebrate today's Palm Sunday. We're going to celebrate Easter next week and to talk about the cross. It's just, it's really unfathomable. It's so inhuman what they did to Jesus on the cross, and the Bible says that he endured it. He looked at the here and now because his eyes weren't set on here and now. He could see the cross with his human eyes, but beyond Jesus saw in the spirit, he saw you and I. He saw you and I with him forever and ever in eternity. He didn't just see you delivered from your sin, and he didn't just see you getting victory and getting the answers to your prayers in 2022. He saw you in eternity with him when time is wrapped up like a scroll. Do you understand how big this is? That Jesus lived his present focusing on his future, our future. Jesus viewed his present from the future. He knew the result before he paid the price, and he gladly paid it because of the sure result he knew it would bring. In other words, the life you are living here on the earth is not about this life. This is a blip. It is a moment. It is a wisp of air. I'm preaching to myself, too. I mean, listen, I understand when you're going through something, when you're in it and you're dealing with an issue, it's hard. I've been saying this for weeks, but I, I think this needs to be said. It's hard to focus on anything other than what you're dealing with. But you need to get eyes to see. We need to look like even Jesus did, like the Bible tells us to, which is beyond your issue. Because before you know it, 
not only is the issue finished and complete, but somehow it's been 5, 10, and even 50 years later. How is that possible? But beyond that is that time itself is going to disappear. All right, so I'm giving you a concept that you can understand with your human brain, but there's a greater concept, which is that it's not 50 years in the future, is that we are outside of time and living with Christ victorious. I want you to begin to focus that you are seated with Christ, that there is freedom in him, that you have peace and joy and life in him, that there is no struggle, there is no trial, that all those things are an illusion. If I was to, if I was to look, now I want you to do something with me. I want you to think back to like when you were like five, right? It's hard to do, right? And you have like little pictures. Was time any different then? Was it the same exact amount of time on the clock as it is today? Then why can't we just go there and think of every, you know, the clock ticks so slow. Maybe for you right now sitting in those seats, <laughs> listening to me speak. And meanwhile, we go back years and all I can pull up is an image, barely an image. Do you understand that if I was to compare this life to eternity, how little it would look like it would be one image. You know, I have some distant images. Maybe in, I think in eternity we'll be able to see a lot clearer. That's not my point. The point is that even if eternity could be judged with time, which it can't be, uh, if I was to take this moment right here now and I was to compare it to the rest of my life, you wouldn't even remember it. And we're talking about a, an, a, you know, we're talking about a gap of time. Let's say you live to a hundred compared to a trillion. It can't even be measured. There wouldn't even be a measurement that your mind could understand. To understand, and so Jesus lived, even in the earth and even going through the cross, with this perspective, he could see us with him in eternity. And the Bible tells us to focus our eyes on him because just like he did it, we in this life, you may be facing things and going through things. You need to be looking at it complete and finished and victory. Amen. Who wishes that once the trial's over that we had a little more faith during? Has anybody ever been there? I'm not condemning anyone because we've all been there ourselves, but you kind of wish. I wish I trusted you just a little bit more. I don't know why I didn't. I know you're faithful, but for some reason, I didn't. And uh, the Bible says that what I see around me is passing away. What we, we look and what we see, uh, this, is, this is temporary. This is natural. We're looking eternal. What we cannot see is actually more real than what you can see. Do you get that? If I was to really understand, like, so was that real when you were five and that little image that you can pull up in your brain? Are you sure it's real? Are you sure that it actually happened? It's just an image. Are you living in the real now? My point is that, you know, all I can do is pull up an image, right, TJ walking... DJ says that ants carried him. 
TJ says that no one will ever tell him otherwise that it was a lot of ants. They were very concentrated, and he stepped on top, and they moved him. You're never going to tell him that didn't happen. See, the unseen is more real than the seen. See, eternity compared to here, if we were to look at the two side by side, this doesn't, this is not real. You're telling me, yeah, right, I'm living it right now. And yet, just by go, go into yesterday, you don't even have to go back to when you are five. It's just, it's gone. Is yesterday real? All you can really understand and focus on is the moment you're living in now. You have to use your imagination for tomorrow, and you have to use your memory for yesterday. Which means when I'm in eternity, what was this life? And yet Christ fixed his eyes. Not only Christ, but I know we're running out of time here. Paul lived the same way. Paul says in Philippians 3 that he's looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race, receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Wow. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, that we are pressed on every side by troubles. And then it says all the way down, I mean, it's an amazing paragraph there, but for time, verse 17, it says, Our present troubles are small, and they won't last very long. Yet, everybody say yet. They produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Your trouble is all you can see. This life is all we can focus on. But the word of God is telling us to have eternal eyes, to fix our eyes beyond this earth, to be eternally, eternal vision, not just earthly vision. And I've cautioned us. The problem is that if you just look at this earth with earthly vision, it's going to be constantly changing, isn't it? Right? The opinions of the day change the way you see the world. Five years ago, everybody saw the world differently. Everybody's got uh, Ukrainian flags floating around right now, right? I bet you most of them don't even know what that even means. But that's what the world says right now you're supposed to do, support Ukraine. Everybody's like, oh yeah, Russia, Ukraine. So they've got flags blowing. I heard that when Will Smith slapped, you know, <laughs> did the slap, that uh, Twitter kind of paused for a little while because nobody knew whose side to pick. They were waiting to see who was right. Because in one way, this guy just talked about his wife, and the other way, this guy just slapped him, but he was defending his wife. It's live television. Should it be done after? Blah, 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 right? Who cares? But the funny thing is that the world paused because they're waiting for us as, uh, as sheep, as the rest of us, to tell us what is okay and what is right. Isn't that funny? 
it's a it's a a good picture to show us that we cannot set our vision. We cannot decide and how we're going to focus, like what life is, and 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 understand like what I'm here for and what my life is for, what my purpose is based upon what your mind is perceiving, because it will be constantly changed moment by moment. That's why we are set eternally. That's why my mind is set on Christ. And we'll get into it after Easter, but I'm set on the Word, because the Word is eternal. Right? The Word of God is my compass. That means that you can throw me around in a storm all you want. You can send wind my way. You can send troubles and trials my way. You can get my boat spinning in every direction, Satan. But at the end of the day, when it all settles, I'm going to look back at my compass and find north again. Amen. All right, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to find the, the, our north is in Christ. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what comes. It doesn't matter whether I, whether I see what I'm believing for right now or not. I'm still going to keep believing. I'm going to keep praying for answers and victories, but I'm not going to base my faith on whether God does or doesn't do what I'm asking him for instantly. I'm going to put my faith beyond the things I'm believing for and the one who brings the things I'm believing for. Amen. It says in Corinthians 4 there, just to finish up, 2 Corinthians 4, he says... The glory <laughs> vastly outweighs them and will last forever. There's trouble now, but there's a victory. It vastly outweighs it. I think the word didn't, I think the writers here, when they translated into English, didn't have the words to describe here. Vastly outweighs. You know what vast means? Big, grand, great, you know? But really, how can you possibly compare earthly troubles to eternity with Christ, all right? It vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Verse 18, so let's read this out loud. I think we need to today. So we don't look with human eyes at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Amen. It's so good. God is so good. New King James says that they are temporary. And it says, but we focus on the things which are eternal. So there's temporary and there's eternal, right? There's temporary and eternal. The life you're living in now is temporary. The life that we are fixed on in Christ is eternal. Amen. Amen. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for this, for your word. It is our compass, and your word is a light unto our path. It's a lamp unto our feet. Lord, your word says that we were in darkness, but your word shines a light. Lord, when we just, we just read. We read the scriptures, and Lord, we come to a true Faith, the real faith, Lord. We don't have to wonder which way is right, which way is wrong. Lord, your word has already defined it for us. And Lord, where the world is still trying to define it and constantly changing it, you have stayed the same forever 
and you will be the same forever. Lord, we fix our gaze on you. We set our eyes on Christ. We look at the finish line. Lord, I thank you that there is victory there. There, there are people that we've been believing for to be set free. They're set free because we're looking at the finish line. There's people we've been believing that are going to be saved. Lord, they're saved. They're already there saved with you because we're focused on the finish line. There are miracles that we've been asking you for, God, and we're looking. I see them done because I'm looking ahead into the future where, it, Lord, that's where you live. God, you live in the future. And so we're going to set our eyes on you. We set our focus on you, and I thank you, Lord, that you give us freedom, you give us peace, you give us joy, you give us hope. We have real life in you, Lord, not this fake life the world promises us, but we have real life in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you.